Today, um, um, uh, last week, uh, b- by the way, Pastor Dylan did an incredible job delivering the word. Was that not an incredible word last week? Incredible. Um, and he was talking about limping into faith. Uh, I spoke a message called uh, Limping Into Destiny. And, you know, it's just kind of providential that the, after two weeks of speaking on limping, I actually had a knee surgery. And so uh, on Friday, and you're like, you had a knee surgery on Friday, and you're walking around. Yeah, but I'm going to sit down. I'm going to pretend to be a millennial pastor here for a minute and preach from a, uh, uh, for a, preach from a chair. Uh, and so, um, uh, but uh, today... I really do want to speak a message uh, that has in mind um, the the powerful effect um, that mothers have on this planet. And the powerful effect that even mothers have in the kingdom of God. Um, I have uh, five children which basically means this, I don't get to watch anything unless it's animated. And so um, I, I actually saw, that's true, some people are shaking their head, that is so true, that's so true. Um, and uh, I actually saw a clip from an animated film called uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, uh, uh, um, which I actually think really captures the essence of what uh, moms uh, can do for their children. Uh, I think it'll be a blessing uh, to you. Why don't, why don't we watch it together? Honey, I think your shoes are wonderful. Everyone just thinks I'm a weirdo. So? People probably thought that these guys were weirdos too. But that never stopped them. <laughs> I was saving this for your birthday, but here. A professional grade lab coat. Just like the real guys wear. (laughs) It fits perfect. The world needs your originality, Flint. You just have to grow into it. And I know that you're gonna do big things someday. moment on, I was determined to invent something great. Remote control television! Eventually. Hair on Balder! Ah! Flying car! Monkey thought translator! Hungry! How wise! Hungry! 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 No, hungry. No, 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 no! Please! Hungry! 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 Hey, what's going on, little guy? <laughs> How many of you are thankful for a mom that believed in you? I'm, I'm really thankful uh, uh, um, because there is a powerful truth uh, to this. 
And it's very simply this. I believe God has a dream for us and he's holding it out to us. And we, as, ch- as his children, are just slipping it on. And we're like, it fits perfect. But how many of you know we need to grow into God's dream for us? We've got to grow into what he has for us. I am so thankful uh, for my mother uh, who, who has probably believed in me more than any human should. Uh, and um, I'm, I'm honestly uh, so grateful and thankful for her. Pray for her. She has been actually uh, trying to recover from a surgery and back and forth in sickness for uh, about seven weeks in and out of hospitals. And so we've been praying for her breakthrough. Uh, but I want to dedicate this uh, message to my mom, uh, Rosita Barnett, and also to my lovely wife, who is the mother of our five children. Uh, and this message is titled, Honoring the Dream. Honoring the Dream. And um, have you ever had somebody look you in the eyes? Perhaps it was your mom. And speak words that would continue to echo throughout the years. Maybe some of you, uh, maybe you didn't have a mom that was like that. But maybe it was a teacher. Uh, I had a teacher uh, who did that as well. Ninth grade, my English teacher, her name was Miss Langford. Uh, she was the fun teacher. You know, the fun teachers, the ones that let you get away with a little more than you should. But I'll never forget, I, I was underperforming in her class. I, I, was, I was just, just kind of not, not doing what I should. And I remember she looked at me and she said, uh, my nickname is Audie, and she looked at me and she said, Audie, I want you to come back and see me after you've earned your first million dollars uh, because I know that there's something great inside of you. I was like, huh. All right, okay. And I, I, I left that moment and I, I, I actually always performed better in her class because of those words. And she actually inspired a little bit of a dream in me. Um, probably it wasn't God's dream, but it was, it was a dream nonetheless. And I want you to understand today that God has a dream for you. And that many times our moms and our parents can actually see God's dream when we can't see it. And perhaps maybe you as a mother, you... You're, you're here today and you're, you're, you're kind of like, man, have I, have I lost out on a dream? I believe today God wants to just inspire you, to infuse you with hope and faith again, to honor God's dream for your life. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13. I'm going to read a story um, about a woman that we, we really don't even have her name. Her son is famous. Her son is a a guy that uh, many people have made movies about. Probably you've heard of him. His name is Samson. Hollywood makes him out to be some kind of muscle-bound guy because he he, he did great exploits. But I want to let you know that that is totally not true. That the scripture does not say that he was naturally strong. 
The scripture says that when the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, he would become supernaturally strong. It could be that he wasn't muscular at all. He was just a regular Jewish guy who got just lit on fire by God and was used as a judge in this day. But before he comes on the scene, we're going to look at how he comes into the earth through his mom. Judges chapter 13 verse 1 says this, Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Now there was a certain man named Zorah, the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come upon his head for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. And so the woman came and told her husband saying, a man of God came to me and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from and he did not tell me his name. By the way, uh, verse six is the woman details of the story. This is so good. You can just see the woman telling her the details of the story. It says, uh, and, and he said, uh, he said to me, behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Uh, there's just a couple of things that I want you to see from the very beginning about this story, which are very uh, profound as we talk about Samson's mother. I want you to see from the very beginning, moms, that this angel from the Lord, who would later, they would become convinced that they had seen God himself, an Old Testament appearance of Christ. Um, they, they become, I want you to see this. He comes and speaks to the woman. He comes and speaks to the woman. If you continue to read in Judges chapter 13, uh, her husband, Manoah, prays. He says, oh, come back and talk to me. Well, he does come back and he talks to the woman again. He appears to the woman again. And she has to go and get her husband and then he speaks to him. How many, of her, how many husbands are thankful for a woman of God who can hear God even when you feel like maybe you can't? Oh yeah, thankful. And, and listen, the, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, we're praying for you because you need a woman of God who can hear from God from you when you're not hearing from him. And I want you to see this, women, you are not second class citizens in the kingdom of God. You need to see this from the very beginning because religion has taught a lot of people that women are second class, not in God's kingdom. Why? Because God comes here and he talks to the woman first, not once, but twice. And you come into the New Testament and God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. It's not only your sons that are going to prophesy. It'll be your daughters who prophesy, who say what God is saying. So women of God, on this day when we're celebrating mothers, you need to understand that you are celebrating in the kingdom of God. And that there is something that your life is to produce that will bring change into the earth. 
And we get a glimpse into what that is as we examine Samson's mother. Now, this, this woman teaches us some very profound messages that are, are very simple. And today, here's, here's what I want you to do. On this day where all of us are fostering relationship, we're fostering relationship with our, with, with, with our moms. You know, uh, you know I, I, we, we took a poster uh, as, uh, you know, and I said, hey, I want you guys to, to write out the words uh, that, that describe your mom, you know. It says, you know, happy Mother's Day, my mom is. And they were writing all kinds of great words, you know, and we're honoring and fostering relationship. And I was reviewing this poster board that my kids had written on. And, and I don't know which child wrote this, but it made me laugh. It says, my mom is a keto queen, okay. I was like, awesome, okay. I didn't. That probably didn't make it into the Hallmark uh, aisle at Walmart, but I thought, wow, that's awesome, you know, that my kids are celebrating uh, the, the, the strides my wife is making in her diet. And, uh, uh, you know, and on this day where we're celebrating relationship, I don't want you to only take a theological approach to this message. I want you to take a relational one. One where you look to foster your relationship with God. And I want you to hear these points, not from the point of, of just thinking, well, okay, yeah, I've kind of heard that before, or maybe I've read that before. But I want you to think of it in terms of an actual relationship with God that you can have. See, Samson's mother in this story teaches us this one high point of theology, but it's also the high point of our relationship with God, it is this, God loves us. God loves you. God loves you. Inevitably, when I'm around young people and I tell them that God loves you, it actually has very little effect on them. They live in an Instagram era and they live in a, you know, uh, you know, a very, very social media area. I wish at this point I could just simply, uh, you know, post a heart out in the, in the cosmos so you could actually see the, emo the heart emoji going forth, that God heart emojis you, okay? So maybe that would move you. Let me say it to you this way, and maybe this will move you a little more. God likes you. God really likes you. And then you say, how do I learn that from this story? Because God loves us enough to show up in our brokenness. Look at verse 1. And again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. What were they doing? Evil. They were in captivity to their enemies. They're doing evil. Verse 2, it, it, it says this. And, and his wife was what? Childless and unable to give birth. So I want you to see this. When God shows up, this is the circumstance. It's bad choices. It's bondage. And it's barrenness. And God shows up. How many of you are grateful that, that God would show up in your brokenness? 
How many of you have ever had a mom show up when you've made some bad choices? I thought a little bit about telling this story and I've kind of wrestled back and forth, but I'm going to tell it. Uh, before age 21, later in my 21st year, I had a, an extreme encounter with God, changed my life. But before that, I was living like everybody else. I was drinking probably four nights a week, uh, most weeks, just out of control. And I went to this party one night and I drank too much. And I, I hate to give you this picture, but I'm going to just tell you like it is. I was so hungover. Uh, I, I used to say it this way. I was worshiping the porcelain God. I was hanging around my toilet the next morning. And my mother walked in. And she says, she looks at me in the eyes and she says, Son, looks like the snake came and bit you. And I'm like, oh, mom, I'm just sick. She goes, uh-huh. I know what she meant by the snake. She meant Satan. She meant, you've given in to the enemy, and you're reaping the benefit of that. But you know what my mom did? She loved me in that moment. She lifted me up, helped clean me up, took care of me that day. And loved me through that scene. Why? Because revival had just recently touched her life. And I don't know if she could see it yet. But it would only be a few short months. Before God would radically encounter me. And deliver me of all of that nonsense. And set me totally free. And set my heart on fire. And, and, and can I... I, I just, I, I just want to tell you, God loves to show up in our brokenness. Can we just be real for a moment? I don't know if you, if you guys thought I had always lived sinless. I, I just float around my house. That is just not the case. Okay? Uh, that is not the case. This is real. I feel like, you know, you read the book of Acts when people started to elevate the apostles. What do they do? They tore their clothes. They said, no, no, no. We're men just like you. But here's what you need to know. God loves to show up in your brokenness. He loves you so much that it doesn't matter if you're in bondage. It doesn't matter if you've made bad choices. It doesn't matter if you yourself are barren and not yet producing what he wants your life to produce. God loves you and will show up in that moment. You say, well, that preaches good from that story. Well, what about from the New Testament? Well, let's just look at the New Testament together. Uh, Romans uh, is, is, is called by theologians, it's called the Constitution of the Bible. It's the one that lays out the framework of understanding of how we are to receive God's grace and walk in God's grace and, and really come into the fullness of a relationship with Him. But I want you to see how, how God describes us when He comes in to relationship with us. Romans chapter 5 verse 6 says this, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Let's look at verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. Here it is again. God loves us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Look at Verse 10, 
For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Listen to the, the, the conditions. There's four conditions here. When God expressed his love toward us, the, the first being without strength. So for those of you who think that you're just going to kind of help yourself, okay, I'm going to clean myself up a little bit. I'm actually going to, I'm, I'm going to get some things straight before I come to God or before I allow him to do a work in my life. I just got, to, I got some news for you. You are without strength to do that. You cannot do that. Matter of fact, Ephesians tells you, tells you how much you are without strength. This is the title it gives to you. Dead. Dead people can't help themselves. What do they need? They need somebody who is the resurrection and the life to come and step in to the deadness of their situation. And that is what Jesus wants to do for you today. His dream is to come into those dead areas and release resurrection. Why? Because you're without strength. Not just that, you're ungodly. I'm not that good at English, but I know what ungodly means. Un means not. It just means not. So God comes to those who are not like him. Anybody ever felt like, well, I'm just not like those people. I'm not like those goody two-shoes. I'm not like those people who have it all together. I'm not like them good. Guess what? You are primed for an encounter with God. Yes. Now, I got, I got news for you. He, God rubs off on you. When he comes to you, he comes in your ungodly but he so permeates the fibers of your being that you become godly. When you receive him, he makes you, according to John chapter 1, gives you the right to become the children of God. What does that mean? I start looking like God. I look just like him. I become a son. So when he comes to us, we're not godly. So stop this nonsense, this religious uh, slavery that we have in our mind that sometimes I gotta, I've got to reach God. Here's what you need to know. God is reaching out to you in your brokenness, and he loves you, and that's why he comes to you. It's so good. He calls us sinners. Sinners. But in the same sentence, he says, he demonstrated his love toward us while we were sinners. While we were doing the very things that would bring him pain, that would, that would nail him to the cross, he comes in love. While we were enemies. How many of you have thought of yourself recently in that capacity, an enemy of God? By the way, it's not a great place to be. An enemy of God. I had a profound encounter right next to this column this week as I was reading Luke chapter 6. I was reading Luke chapter 6, which is Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. And there I am uh, in, this, in this passage, and I'm reading this passage, and I, all of a sudden it says, it says, pray for those who spitefully use you. Love those who hate you. Ah. Keep reading in Luke 6 and he says, and those who, he goes, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? 
how could God ever ask us to love our enemies? Because that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. When we were all without God, we were an enemy of God. And what did he do? He loved us. And so when he comes to us and says, love your enemies and pray for those who spitefully use you, he then can also say, he goes, I'm not telling you this when I'm not, when I'm not doing something, doing the very thing I'm asking you to do. That means this, that when, when you and I pray for those who spitefully use us, when we love those who hate us, there will be a grace that God gives us out of his own nature to live that way. By the way, most of our prayer lists do not include those who hate us and who are using us. And yet, you only have to read six chapters in the Gospel of Luke to get that prayer assignment. That's a good word for somebody in here. Because it was a good word for me. I'm like, oh God, you've got to help me. I, don't, I did not put them on my prayer list this week. I, I, I read Psalms. You know, I like it when David says, God, break their teeth. <laughs> Please pray for your pastor. Uh, I want you to see God's expressing his love toward us. And his love leads to the next thing for her, Samson's mom. It's his dream. See, God has a dream. And in verse 3, we find that an angel of the Lord appears to her and says, You're now barren and you've borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. By the way, this was her dream. I want a child. I want a child. And by the way, if God had stopped right here, he would have stopped and only given her her dream. But he keeps talking. How many of you know that, that we can have a dream, but that dream is probably not God's dream? I can remember a time in my life, I was uh, very misguided, where I had a dream of being a dentist. Some of you are like, oh, I could see that. Yeah. No. No. I had a dream of being a dentist, not because I wanted to fix people's teeth, because I wanted to own the same cars that I saw my, dental, my dentist owned. Seriously. I'd lay back in the chair every time I came for a visit, every six months, and this guy had a new car. I'm like, I'm going into dentistry. Ultimately, this guy's driving a vet, and then ultimately a Ferrari, a dentist in a Ferrari. I'm like, man, okay, dental school it is. <laughs> How many of you know that, uh, that you can have a dream, but when God steps in and gives you his dream, it's probably something different. Probably something different. I love this. She has a dream to have a child and notice what it says. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean for behold. That means look at this. That means this is something you didn't see in the dream. You shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. What? No haircut his whole life? Mama's dream about how they can dress their boys up. No, 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 no. No razor is going to come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite. She's like, what? 
A Nazarite is one who is wholly dedicated to God, not because he is obligated because he's of the tribe of Levi, but because he loves God so much, he wants to be wholly dedicated to God. So he then is included in all of the priestly duties and the mag magnificent use of God in his day. So when you become a Nazarite, you're saying, I am wholly dedicated to God. I'm choosing to love God. She probably never saw that coming. She's just like, I just want a normal boy. And God's dream is like, I don't want you to have a normal boy. I don't want you to have a normal son. I want you to have a Nazarite. Why? Because I want to bring deliverance. And I love this. You need to see this. God says, indeed, you are barren and have borne no children. Can I, just, can I just say this? Your dysfunction does not intimidate God. So when God comes to you and reveals his dream for you, you'll probably still be broken. You'll still, probably still have those insufficiencies, those things which you are not comfortable with. He's going to come to you and he's going to speak a dream to you. and like, uh, I can't do that. I'm barren. I'm broken. I'm in bondage. God says, you're going to conceive and have a son. You're going to conceive. I think that's a word from the Lord for you in this room. You're going to conceive and give birth to something you didn't see coming. Behold, God's dream is coming to you. Your current condition is only an opportunity for God to display his goodness. I love this. Anybody ever read Acts chapter 9? You know, there's, there's somebody that we celebrate probably as the greatest apostle who ever lived. And that would be the apostle Paul. But before he was the apostle Paul, he was Saul. He was a, a, a Judaizer of Judaizers. He's so celebrated Judaism that anything that threatened the status quo of Judaism, he said, I am putting it down. And he was well-trained and well-versed. He was very intelligent and he was determined. I am going to squash out these Christians, these followers of Christ. And in Acts chapter 9, it says Saul was breathing threats and murders uh, uh, against the disciples of the Lord. And he went to the high priest and asked for letters uh, from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, which is the first title of those who followed Christ, the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He's like, I want to lock them all up. I want to throw all of these followers of Christ in prison. He was committed to his dream. But let's keep reading. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly. Anybody ever have an and suddenly moment? Where, where you had your dream one moment and suddenly God showed up. And everything changed and it was, it's about to change for him. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying, uh, saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? This is a good word for the church. Jesus doesn't see you as being separate from him. You are actually part of who he is. That'll tell you how connected you are to him. When Jesus shows up and talks to Saul, he said, you're persecuting me. And then he said, who are you, Lord? This is the greatest question and answer in the whole Bible. 
Who are you, Lord? He answers the question. Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I want you to understand that when God comes and intervenes in your life and he gives me his dream, his dream for your life, then what, what, what should you do? You should utter these same words, Lord, what, it, what is it that you want me to do? God doesn't want to just give you your dream. He wants to give you his. I want you to do something with me just for a moment. I felt so compelled to do this. And I know this is out of character and maybe out of sorts and this is just so different. But just put your notes down for a minute and just close your eyes. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to do something and I want to get you involved. I want you to ask God in this moment, God, Show me your dream for my life. I feel the Holy Spirit releasing pictures. And what's, what's God's dream look like in your family? What's it look like in your marriage? Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to this moment to release pictures and visions, Lord, in the hearts of sons and daughters to show us your dream. And Lord, I ask, God, that in these next few moments, God, that you would establish your dream in us. I want you to look up in this moment Some of you have seen pictures, you've seen thoughts, you've seen yourself walking maybe in a different level of freedom, in a different level of ministry. You need to write those things down. You need to understand that you are stewarding God's dream. And when you begin to steward God's dream, you realize that it's not just about you. And Samson's mother teaches us one last thing. And that is this, that God's dream requires honor. That God's dream requires honor. Verse 7, she she said, he said to me, behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Listen, Samson's mother honored God's dream for her life. Why? Because she did exactly as he said. Say, how do we honor God's dream for our life? It's actually a word that that we used to sing as children uh, in in children's church. And many uh, uh, of the people in here could probably sing it uh, with me. Trust and obey. 
for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Obedience is how we honor God's dream for our life, and this is what she did. But what, how do we, how, what, what does honoring the dream have to do with it? Here's what honor means. It means to esteem. It means to value. A another application of honor is simply this. It, 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 means, it means to allow a person's words to carry weight in your life. It means to allow the words to carry weight, to hold sway over your life. So what God has said, it would determine the course of your life. It, it, it supersedes our feelings, our, our, our thoughts, our own reasonings. Matter of fact, we begin to understand honor in a time of great darkness in 1 Samuel chapter 2 when Eli uh, is, is this priest and his sons are out of control. And listen, e Eli, man, this guy should have been on the keto diet because the Bible calls him fat. No joke. Read your Bible. It's awesome. Why was he fat? Because he was eating the choice sacrifices. He was, he was picking his way. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing as a priest. And in this time of judgment of Eli, God actually reveals how powerful honor is. In 1 Samuel 2.30, it says, Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I say indeed that your house and the house of your father... Uh, would, would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For, notice these words, for those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. By the way, if you ever want to see the goodness of God in one verse, there it is. When people despise God, God says, I just lightly esteem them. If I could rewrite the Bible in the Pastor Otis version, it would say, I would honor those who honor me, and those who hate me, I will crush like a grape. <laughs> I mean, don't you think that those who hate God would actually be in need of a greater judgment than just being lightly esteemed? Unless you go back to the first point and you understand that God loves his enemies. Oh, he is so good. And then, so here's what, you, uh, here's what I want you to grab from this. It says, for those who honor me, I will honor. Here's another way of saying this. Listen, listen. This is powerful. This will change your prayer life. God says, I will honor those who honor me. Listen. He says, those who allow my words to carry weight in their life, their words will hold weight with me. You say, is that right? Oh, it absolutely is. Jesus looked right at his disciples and he said, anything that you ask in my name according to, to the will of my Father, I will do it. He said, when my words hold sway over you, your, ways, your words will hold weight in heaven. And they will move heaven and they will move earth. Why? Because God will move. 
You have to understand is that when you begin to esteem and honor God's dream in your life, you begin to cry out for that dream. What happens? God begins to move supernaturally in your life. It doesn't matter if you're barren or brokenness or where you, whether you find yourself in bondage. You, if you say, God, your dream, I'm, I'm welcoming it. I, I open my heart to it. God's power is then going to come into your life. And a grace you have never experienced before will come to empower you to live a life you could never live on your own. God's dream requires honor. And Samson's mom bent her life to pave the way for her son. She wasn't called to be a Nazarite, but she lived like a Nazarite. You see, Nazarites could never eat anything from the vine. They could never have fruit. They could never have wine. That was one of the requirements. And so what did she do? Her, the, his mom started paving the way for Samson. She's like, I'm not called to be a, a Nazarite, but I'm going to do what God calls me to do because what my life is to produce is a deliverer in the land. I want to pave the way. And listen, you and I need to say yes to God because God wants to come in glory and we need to pave the way for the king of glory glory to come in to this region and so whatever God requires whatever God says connected to his dream for our life that we should do if he says lay down something we simply lay it down if he says pick up something that we've never handled before we pick it up she lived as a Nazarite to honor God's dream for a deliverer she changed this is it. She changed to live out God's dream. And I want to say this to you. God's dream for your life requires honor. God's dream for your life requires that you would honor and esteem that dream. And I, I, and I certainly want to say this to everyone in this room. If you have a mom that's already gone on to glory and she's already there in heaven, I know she's shouting from heaven saying, honor God's dream for your life. It's worth it. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses that are saying, honor God's dream for your life. It's worth it. Some of you are probably under the sound of my voice today. You, you may not be right with God. God's got a dream for you. His first dream is that you would be redeemed, that you would be forgiven, that no longer to be a sinner or an enemy or without strength. He wants to come and redeem you. He's got a dream that you would experience the fullness of all that he is offering to you today. That's his dream. So what do you need to do? Honor that dream by responding. It's repent and believe. It's turn from your old life and turn to him. It's receive the free gift of his grace so that you can be born again and filled with his spirit and begin to live a life like so few live, living by God's dream. When she lived by God's dream, she released Samson into the world. Who he made lots of mistakes. He made lots of mistakes, but in the end, he slayed more Philistines in one day than he did all of his life. In one day. And I'm going to tell you, you have no idea the effect that your life will have when you honor God's dream for your life.